Bishop Bailey from the Diocese of Spokane. And normally on this hour or this time together, we would have the bishop and the vicars. It is the Easter season, and the vicars are busy in their parishes. Today we have the second part of our um, show based upon the book Long Shall You Live by Maria Henderson. Uh, she's a, and her husband Mark are active parishioners who raised their family in St. Patrick's Parish in Pasco. And the book that Maria wrote um, is an outstanding reflection on the life of her parents, especially her dad, and being in a prison camp uh, during the Second World War, their immigration to the United States, to the Salem area, to Oregon, the raising of a family, and the impact that um, Maria and Mark have as, as active Catholic people in our diocese, a great blessing to the church in eastern Washington. Maybe, Mario, you could talk a little bit about, um, for our listening audience who perhaps haven't heard the first segment, which was on in the fall, um, the topic of the book, um, your experience, your folks, and then the second half and what will that will frame our show for today. You bet. Thank you so much for having me back again. I really appreciate this opportunity to share my book, Long Shall You Live, which um, took me five years to write. And it was a real colleague of mine. Uh, God provided a patron saint, St. Francis de Sale, who um, helped me every step of the way. It has been a labor of love to write this book about my mom and dad, whose names are Minas and Sousa. And the first half of the book is full of their story and what they went through uh, during World War II. My mother suffered under occupation for the five years and my dad's involvement with the resistance. After the uh, Germans invaded Holland back in uh, 1940, dad was 19 years old and uh, immediately became involved with the resistance. He did not tell anybody uh, in his family about his involvement uh, to protect them, but he did espionage and sabotage for the Dutch government that had fled into England and all that information that they were providing was helpful for them as well as the British to um, just plan ahead for, for a counterattack that would someday happen. That was the plan. Um, doing so, he was able to do a bunch of damage, he would say. But eventually the Nazis um, got wind of the underground uh, movement. And he was captured in the shipyards getting ready to blow up some stuff, and I don't want to say too much about it, um, but in any event, he was captured and eventually uh, went through a trial, went through a very traumatic experience, uh, witnessed to a, a major execution, and uh, then shipped to Buchenwald concentration camp, where he spent uh, over four years um, laboring in the labor camp. Uh, fortunately, he had a trade. He was a machinist. Uh, had skills that were useful to the uh, the German war machine, as the way Pa would refer to it, and they kept him alive um, because he was valuable. So, uh, though it was very very difficult, it was it was torture for him. And I tell that story. I ta talk about his liberation, uh, his involvement, his witnessing General Patton. Um, going back to Holland, what that was like, that's, that's all a part of the, the first part of 
Long Shall You Live, really talking about their their love story, um, raising little children in Holland, and dad, over time, kind of conspiring with others to make the grand adventure of immigrating to the United States, where he had always felt after he was liberated that that's where he belonged, that's where he wanted to go. Um, he loved the Americans for the sacrifices they made for people they didn't know during a horrible time in history and felt it was worth fighting for the freedom of these people, even at the cost of their lives. I, I think that just for our listening audience, why this is such a great book, and I would encourage uh, our listening audience to, at the end of the show, we'll talk about how they can get a copy of this, Long Shall You Live. The reason why it's so important is there's a movement up front, I think, in the United States where there's a lack of gratitude for the sacrifices that, that are made and were made by men and women uh, defending the freedom and the principles of the United States, and especially what Tom Brokaw would refer to as the greatest generation. Right, right. Uh, in the political correctness of our country, in many ways, the individuals who have influence on our young people in educational circles, leaving out this component of the sacrifices that were made by people and your dad's sacrifice, witnessing people, the horrific uh, experience of being in this prison camp and watching the horror of the Nazis. Um, and coming back and his profound gratitude. When I, when I read this book, uh, I, what comes across is, is a faith in, in Christ, a faith in the church right. that had its roots in, in, of course, the experience of the church in Holland, a faith they shared with you and your, your family, and you have shared in turn with your family. But right. in addition to that faith, it is that gratitude uh, for the liberation and the fact that that gratitude would first motivate your dad and then your mom trusting Yes. leaving her family to come to the United States. So, for again, for our audience, I would encourage you just to, it is a book that is honest and direct, but also uh, rekindles in, in the reading, the reader and to the listening audience, those great principles that make our country uh, truly blessed and one that we must never forget. Never forget. Yeah. That's what I was raised with. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the story mom and dad would say, but make sure that you remember this and never forget it and uh, pass it on. It should never happen again. When we were talking before the show began uh, with um, when you and your husband, Mark, which is the second half of mm -hmm. met in high school and then uh, your marriage and raising the family, but discovering along the way, as you said, you'd come to visit uh, and stay overnight uh, with your mom and dad. And, and as you spend time probably after dinner sitting around, I would imagine, a living room and, and your dad and mom began to talk about this experience. Maybe can you say a little bit about that? We would enjoy uh, Dutch tradition every trip we ever took down to visit mom and dad in Salem, and that was afternoon tea time. Uh, you go from breakfast to mid-morning coffee or tea to lunch and then afternoon tea time. It was during that hour or two where we really focused in on um, my curiosity they really waited for me to uh, begin the conversation. They were willing to share it, but they, I think that what was easier for mom and dad was to share greater detail with me because of my curiosity. I needed to know. I want to know. And I didn't know at the time 
that as this was all being uh, told to me over time, I guess that calling must have been there from the beginning to remember these details and write it down someday. And um, I got to tell you, my my sisters, a couple of them have read it, and and they marvel at the fact, how did you remember all this stuff? I says, I just did. And they they were grateful because of the authenticity. They could even hear the voice of of my dad as I quote him or or, or talk you know, as if it's my father. And they mm-hmm. says, I, it sounds just like him. So I tried to be true to the story. I had mentioned uh, in, I think, the first episode we had in the fall, how uh, my brother-in-law, um, Barry Vandenacker, his father uh, would reflect and share his experience mm-hmm. in Holland um, with the horrors of the Nazi occupation yeah. and the hunger, the eating of the tulips to yeah. just to survive. Um but maybe just a few words. What what inspired you? you t- we talked about Francis de Sales, and uh, a lot of times people hear these these remarkable stories of individuals who lived through the concentration camps. Uh, people here in the United States living through the Depression. Um, what do you think inspired you? Uh, what was that experience to put these experiences, these treasured memories, which were often very difficult? Um, on paper to put it to have a book written. Well, that happened when I was in a very um, dark place in my life after some medical problems that I experienced that were very frightening to me and really changed my life and it gave me a new direction. And it was during that time, and it was a Good Friday. I write about it in the book, where um, in my prayers, I felt the movement of the Holy Spirit. I heard direction. Um, I was I was praying really hard. I was, you know, Lord, show me what you want to do now. I'm, my my world was getting smaller. My profession as a nurse was uh, in jeopardy because of my illness, and I didn't know what I was supposed to do now. I didn't recognize myself as the you know extrovert that I'd always been that got energized by being with people, and now I was afraid to get get out of the house. So it was that time and that calling, and um, it was definite, not a question in my mind, I was supposed to write. And the only direction I really ever got was, you know, Lord, what do you want me to write? He says, just write what you know. Mm-hmm. Well, what I know really well are the, those stories that were seated in me through my curiosity over many years. And I says, okay, I can do this. Uh, took a long time five years, as I mentioned before, um, stop and go, because when your children need you, when something happens, there's a pause, people get sick, constantly doing other things, but always knowing in the back of the mind, get back to that book, get back mm-hmm. to the book. You know, didn't make several of my own self-imposed deadlines, and finally I say, fine, Lord, this is all in your hands anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so the time will happen when it happens. When you, uh, in the, the book, the first part, of course, is the experience, uh, a very um, descriptive mm-hmm. uh, account of your, uh, your dad's stories that, that you were telling, and your mom and their marriage, and then the immigration uh, to the United States. I think in the midst of it, again, for this book, it doesn't read like a history book. It reads in many ways of a very interesting, true story. Mm-hmm. And through it all, it's not only about hardship. It is about... Uh, 
renewal and of, of faith and trust in God, God's providence to come to the United States uh, to write this book, mm-hmm. uh, to you raising your own family. And, and, and there's many uh, portions of the, the book that are very human, and, and our audience, I'm sure you'll listen to. It's how you met your husband in high school and, and mm-hmm. all of that, and then the early years of being married. And um, It was really fun to write. Mm-hmm. It really, really was. And, and in doing so, I was able to experience just the hand of God mm-hmm. in so many different ways, one after another after another. It's like, wow, you were there too, weren't you? It was just awesome. When you read the book, uh, a, a phrase, uh, it's inspired literature. Uh, mm-hmm. because of the fact that you're giving a, a, an account of it as almost you had um, a recording of your dad's stories, as you mentioned uh, with your siblings, seeing that, listening, telling you that. But uh, when we come back uh, after the break, I want to talk about something that you, you talk about the experience of the second generation survivors. Yes. We'll take a break. Daily from the Diocese of Spokane, and on our show, normally the Bishop and the Vickers, we have a special guest, Maria Henderson, who is going to continue this very interesting uh, discussion on a book that she has written that was five years in the making, Long Shall You Live. As we begin the second half of our show, it's very interesting in this book, which is divided into two sections. Mm-hmm. You come across uh, a discussion, you begin the second generation survivor. Maybe for our listening audience, you can talk a little bit about that and your discovery of it, your reflection, and uh, very much to me, I found in reading the book helpful for people in similar situations who have experienced trauma in their lives or, excuse me, in, in that of their parents. Exactly. Um, I was probably late 40s, early 50. Uh, when I discovered that term, second-generation survivor, uh, one of my sisters kind of introduced me to that terminology. She had discovered it. So I looked it up and studied it a little bit and found that I am a part of a very large group of individuals uh, known as second-generation survivors who were raised by those people who suffered in the Holocaust during World War II. Um, They studied the survivors for years and years and years, as well as their children, and found some real common threads that uh, are present in the children of the survivors. Um, They're even studying the third generation, our children, not per se involved in the studies, but finding uh, that the damage, that the effects of that kind of trauma is passed down. And I found a couple of articles I mention in the book. One of them is entitled uh, uh, Genetic Scars of the Holocaust, Children Suffer Too. And there was another one that was very uh, important to me personally. Descendants of Holocaust survivors have altered stress hormones. And I wish I had known that earlier in my life. It, It may have helped me to understand my parents a little bit better, uh, been a little more sympathetic, under, just to understand them better. Um, I, I would also like to say that one of the threads that goes through second-generation survivors are uh, there are many of us who really feel the call, the mantra, 
that has been kind of, um, you know, not beaten in us, but reminded over and over and over again, as I, I've said before, that dad and mom would say, don't forget this. Don't ever let it happen again. Well, when you hear that in your life over and over again, it, it gives you this feeling of, oh, I got to do something. I got to do something. And that something was something that had to develop over time. But this is my way of, of fulfilling that, uh, that desire. And I know there's a lot of people who have experienced that same calling in their life. They just don't know the avenue where they can share it. And this is kind of one way that they might recognize themselves reading this book and say, hey, yeah, I, I feel this way too. This is how I was raised. That's why I'm, I'm anxious all the time, or that's why I, you know, whatever their, their effects are can be traced back to um, being raised as a second-generation survivor. When you're, you were being raised, uh, obviously we talked earlier in the show about your visits when you and your husband would come by with the kids and stay mm -hmm. over with your mom and dad. But earlier on, was there a reluctance of uh, your dad and mom to, uh, to speak about it, their experience? In other words, was there, did you feel that your dad um, maybe had to put some of this so deep uh, away because he had a new life to, to live and he was raising you? Did, you? did you ever feel that there was something... That now, looking back, as your father explained it, you might thought maybe that that does explain what how my dad reacted in certain circumstances. Right, right. Dad's um, emotions were greatly affected mm -hmm. by his time in the concentration camp. There's no question about that. Um, he had to compartmentalize emotions. You cannot think too much. You cannot experience or outwardly. Um, show your anger, or you could be beaten. Uh, you 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 didn't think too much about anything. So over that course of time, he was in the camp. When he came back, he was a changed man, and Dad had two really strong emotions. There were the others we would see once in a while, obviously, but one was extreme love. He loved to the point of being very protective of his children and his wife uh, and his friends, very loyal. And the other one was was anger. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very hard for, for him to control some of his anger. And I don't want to go into a lot of detail with that, but I'll bet you there are others, uh, second-generation survivors, who, who understand what I'm trying to explain. Um, it was out of proportion mm -hmm. to the situation. Um, I'll just but, kind of leave it. Sure. And I think, again, for our audience, uh, to encourage you to, to read the book. And for those of you whose parents uh, or grandparents had similar experiences uh, who were in concentration camps uh, in Europe, in, uh, in Poland, in Germany, yeah. uh, you might relate in a, a, as you reflect in reading through this book, it might help you uh, understand uh, perhaps that's how and why your, your dad primarily uh, lived that way. Mm -hmm. um, in that experience, um, in your own life, um, as you are raising your family and, and uh, go, go to school to become a nurse, uh, you deal yourself with illness. And uh, one of the things that's very clear in this book, it's in the midst of hardship, whether it is the pain of, of the 
concentration camp, the uh, anxiety of moving to the United States, uh, not a lot of English known, but your mom and dad, uh, your mom, I think, read, uh, could speak a little bit better. Yeah. Um, through it all, I don't sense at all dwelling on being victims, but rather seeing this as, um, as a cross, but the faith of your family, the faith that uh, your parents shared with you, and the faith that you have shared with your own children permeates this. But in the midst of it, then we have illness, and that comes across um, your own personal list. Maybe speak to us about that. Well, I did touch on that, didn't I? Um, I was adversely affected a couple of times with a condition called uh, Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. It's also known as the broken heart heart attack. Uh, typically, it's, uh, well, there's not a lot of study out on it. There's, there's more and more information uh, over time with cases like mine, but it's uh, when there's a, an extreme release of a fight-or-flight reaction to something. Uh, you may not even know where it's coming from. In my case, it was a side effect of a medication I was taking, for, for migraine headaches, and one of the side effects caused this condition that I had, and it happened a second time in my life, a couple of years apart, and it's, I write about it in the book, y usually it's strong emotions, like if somebody uh, loses their job, or their spouse, or uh, they get really, really bad news, and it, it produces this um, reaction this adrenaline rush, and it attacks your heart, and it happened to me twice. Mm -hmm. I you I recovered from it, thought it never happened again, and and it did happen again. So, that's what I was dealing with at the time. That's what I was um, pleading to the Lord about at the time. You know, can you take this from me? Because it's hard to live an anxious life, worried about your heart mm -hmm. all the time. I am much better. So I want everybody to know I'm doing okay, but it is a, an experience I felt I needed to share within the book, because even that shows the hand of God in every in in, in every way. Well, again, through the book, there's the book is into two halves. The first is uh, reflection on on your parents and then the move, and then your own life. And mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of elements: the the raising of of getting married, the uh, mm -hmm. the kids being raised, the grandkids. Um, all of that, you know, active at St. Patrick's Parish in Pasco, the friends that you have met there, uh, your, your support to one another. But then, as so often is the case, it's your parents' age. And uh, yeah. your dad I, um, has a, dies of, was it a heart attack? Heart and attack, When you were yeah. on vacation, a little trip to, to, uh, to Reno. He was in Reno. And then um, and not being there when he actually dies, but being yep. close by. Yeah. Um, and then your mom uh, being in first uh, assisted living, um, mm -hmm. and then as she begins to age and uh, the visits to her and her readiness, so many of our people facing these issues themselves or their children. Mm -hmm. How, um, talk about that a bit. The transitions with your parents. The transitions, yeah. well, the book is full of transitions throughout, and that's uh, telling the story of what I know. and. It is difficult when your parents get older. We take on new roles. But the reason it was important in Long Shall You Live is just in the title alone. You know, life goes on, and there's a continuum to it. And I, we were there 
uh, as best we could for both of our parents, my husband's parents as well, difficult times, but I just want my readers to know that there is hope at the end. You know, there's there, it's just part of life. And what you do with the, the sacrifices that you make, what you do with the um, sorrow in your life, you, you can dwell on it or you can just say, okay, what's next? You know, uh, give them the honor that's due them as, as your parents, um, but then look ahead to what it is that God is still doing for you. And I really realized once my, both my parents were, uh, had passed um, that I came to understand now I'm at the top of the, that pyramid of life where I don't have parents anymore uh, here in this life, and I have the, the love of my spouse, our, our children, and, and now those grandkids. You know, you start looking down at the future of, uh, of where your responsibility is now and focused on that. And gosh darn it, you know, I didn't even know how to end this book because life keeps going on. I write about that at the end. You know, how do I end this book? It's still going. Well, so. it's, it's clear, and, and for our listening audience, and uh, it is a very important book because we are in the Easter season now, and in the midst of the cross, which uh, is so much in the liturgy, uh, the focus of the liturgy of, of Good Friday, and then we enter into the Easter Vigil and then Easter of the Joy and Hope. And I see in this book um, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what wow. makes this uh, <laughs> book that is, yes, it's history, and it's very interesting, and it's true, but it is also a book of faith and gratitude. Again, the title is Long Shall You Live uh, by Maria Henderson, and it is available on Amazon and my website, Maria. Uh, or www.longshalllive.com. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for being here.